So, on the weekend, I went to this uh, this place called Piano Bar. Honestly, uh-huh. I didn't think I'd really like it. They, they had this guy playing, like, piano and singing songs and stuff. You know, a bit swanky. Anyway, turns out if you put 12 bourbon and cokes in me and play some Queen, I turn into one. <laughs> <laughs> That's why my voice is so fucked. <laughs> Sing us a song. You're the piano man. They actually played that. Yeah. That was Australian Crawl with The Boys Light Up must be something supernatural going on to make the boys light up. Today we're talking about possession, the evil spirits that make their way into your brain and possess you, and the brave men and women who exercise these demons from you. My name is Minister Morgan and I am joined by two men who are clearly under the command of the Dark Lord. We have <laughs> Lucifer Lachlan. Oh, I'm okay with that. And Beelzebub Brad. Oh, yes. How are we today, children of Satan? Oh, man, something today just possessed me to record a podcast. <laughs> wow, you know, that was diabolical. Yeah, I think we are channeling the Dark Lord in some of our episodes here, let's oh, be honest. Oh, yeah, boy, today am I going to be channeling the Dark Lord. That is some foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to uh, cast off our demons into the Shadow Realm. But before that happens, Lachlan, would you like to open yourself up? to the dark spirit spirit of the liquid devil variety and crack open a cold one with the boys. It's time to crack open a cold one with the boys. I think that was the most long-winded way anyone's ever asked me if I want to be. This week, in the spirit of uh, all things evil... <laughs> fuck's sake. Shit, I didn't think of that. Uh, <laughs> no, I have a Molson Canadian... Now, <laughs> the reason that is related to evil is because in Canada, everything has to be written in English and French, and it just really pisses me off that uh, the French Canadians get even an inch of leeway in their fucking quest to just secede from the rest of Canada. <laughs> so, when, when you look around the world, that's the pinnacle of evil. So that's right. With two that's languages. right. Yeah. There is nothing worse happening on this planet. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, it is a lager. Uh, it is 1.4 standard drinks, uh, 355 mils, obviously from the Great White North Canada. Uh, Montreal, in fact. So oh, French Canada. Quebec. It even says on here, Union Made. Oh, oh God. So, I don't Pour know if I want to drink it anymore. It's going to taste like mediocrity. It's going to taste like uh, people who can't be fired, even though <laughs> they are really bad at their jobs. So, let's crack this open. I'm not looking forward to it now. Very, <laughs> very poor snap. Sounded like you were very opening pump, pump. a mason jar. While he's drinking it, I'll just say that our Canadian friend said this is like Foster's, which uh, no one in Canada actually drinks it. I think it's good. It tastes like Budweiser. Anyway. And Budweiser is awful. Um, Incorrect. So, as we all know, (laughs) there are people out there who are convinced that they have demonic spirits inside of them or that they are being possessed by the devil. Now, Lachlan, you're a rational man. You're an atheist. You don't believe in silly things like God, Satan, morality. Uh, what do you make of this whole exorcism thing? Hundred percent fact. <laughs> Did you say you didn't believe in morality? Yeah, that's pretty well established by now. <laughs> I no, I I I think I don't think there is anything uh, otherworldly going on, but I think there's definitely some sort of uh, psychosomatic nonsense Ooh. happening in the case of uh, most possessions uh, and some exorcisms. Yeah, all right. Well, Brad, what about you? Do you have an open mind? Are you are you open to this idea that there's something supernatural going on? Uh, not, not really. I think there's disturbed people and people who've convinced themselves of certain things. But I, I do I believe that there's a like a demon inhabiting someone's body? I, not really. No, I'm not sold on it. All right, well, case closed. Let's pack it up. Yep. <laughs> that was no, quick. I think, uh, 
I was I was thinking about this, and I wonder if because of our culture or something, we're just so ingrained in these metaphors that we can't get out of it. But I mean, there is certainly something to the idea of somebody being possessed by evil spirits or the devil or something in in the sense that when someone is overtaken by something so horrible like that, then that's that's the way it seems reasonable to describe it. I don't know if that's just a cultural thing, but it's it's like as if they're not human anymore. They've had something supernaturally take over them and um, they have evil I, I think I, I think I get what you're saying. It's like when you say, um, you know, someone, um, like, they, they have, like, they're an alcoholic, so... That's that's like their their demon to face is their alcoholism. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a useful metaphor in that sort of sense. Yeah, I yeah. think. It, well, I mean, do you think it could just be a way uh, the religion or you know certain cultures explained mental illness or you know something like that? Like mm, yeah. in the past, definitely yeah, in the past, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And now it's just sort of lived on, like with you know particularly religious people. Yeah, it it, it seems so, and I mean. Mm. It, even in that sense, it's not it's not necessarily a bad way to describe it. And, you know, that I think even the idea that you have a demon inside of you or that you have something uh, evil possessing you, that's kind of not a life sentence. That's like, we can fix you. You can be healed. There's some redemption possible for you. You and, can hey, be you know, exercised. Yeah. And if, if we get you to the point where you're a functioning, happy, healthy person, then you can look back on that period and not feel guilt or shame about it and think, mm. you know, you were being possessed as opposed to, you know, I was born fucked up and there's nothing I can do about it. All right. <laughs> yeah. So maybe. But I mean, there, there wouldn't be useful. supernatural per se. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> no, I think, we all, I think we all agree that we're not, uh, we're not into um, anything supernatural, you know. I'm, oh, I'm, Morgan, I'm, as a man of God, <laughs> <laughs> you, just- you believe in heaven, you must. We, we've uh, all seen implication. Believe in hell. Yeah, <laughs> we've all seen Constantine. Are you, is there going to be like hands coming out of some girl's chest? You know, trying to peel their way out. No, I don't think so. But are there fucked up people? Yes, definitely. Yeah, luckily, uh, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know how much I take it literally, and how much I think it's just a really good way of describing the world. But I mean, there is there is something to do with good and evil. There is such a thing as good and evil, and there is a battle going on between. I think everybody has to fight that battle inside themselves. And, you know, hell, you can say, oh, you know, hell is a silly idea. It doesn't exist. But, you know, there is there are hells. There are people living through their own hells on Earth and stuff. And I know it's not a supernatural place that we talk about, but, I mean, it's, it's as real to them as it is to... Um, as it is written in the Bible or anything. So it's, you know, there's certainly really, really dark stuff in the world and there's just horrible evil out there. And I think as a way to make sense of it and think about it, you kind of have to, not have to, but it, it makes sense to throw it over to something supernatural and just say that this can't be anything. That's yep. right. Offload all personal responsibility <laughs> because you are unable to mentally handle the fact that uh, some people oh. do bad things for no reason. Are you able to mentally handle it? Oh, look, I don't think it's a good thing, but uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I don't think it's uh, the forces of hell and heaven uh, waging an eternal war either. <laughs> but it, it's as if that's happening. Oh, man. Okay, yeah, you got me. You got me. It's as if that's happening. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> saying, it's, it's real it's, to some people. It's uh. as if you're being a fucking retard. <laughs> it's, not, uh, it's not actually happening, but it's as if that's <laughs> happening. <laughs> okay, so with that as a backdrop that none of us believe it, and I'm willing to entertain the metaphor and Lachlan's calling everyone retarded, let's jump in. No, just specifically first- you. <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the idiot. Um, all right, let's jump into the <laughs> first exorcism. So, I think mine's probably the most lighthearted, so we can probably finish with mine. So, which one of you dickheads wants to go first? I'll, I'll open her up. Get us rolling. <clears throat> let's go. So, for my exorcism, it's quite a famous one. It actually inspired a movie, uh, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which I, don't, I haven't personally seen, but um, I had a quick look at the synopsis and the some of the themes line up pretty closely. Anyway... Mine is The Exorcism of Annalise Mikkel. Uh, Annalise Mikkel was born in Bavaria in West Germany in 1952. She was raised... Evil. 
Exactly. <laughs> um, she was raised a strict Catholic and lived a relatively uneventful childhood <laughs> <laughs> until she turned 16. Uh, at the age of 16, she suffered a severe seizure coupled with random bouts of convulsions that would leave her in horribly contorted positions. After seeking med- medical advice, so did the right thing, Annalise was diagnosed with temporal lobe ep- epilepsy. <clears throat> she was given a medication and went back to her day-to-day life. Uh, <clears throat> now, uh, anyone who's unfamiliar with the structures of the brain, the temporal lobe is very important. Uh, it, it pretty much exclusively handles sensory input and interpretation, and this means that I all- think you could- Sorry, I think you could say that most parts of the- I was going to include that in there, but this very one is- important. This is the kind of area of the brain that if it gets damaged, you see some serious- hey. Lachlan, Downsides. let the expert talk. Brad has three quarters of a psychology degree more than that you're That is right. true. So, yes. <laughs> That's and true. I, I did a fair bit of neuro- neuropsychology, you know, structures of the brain and whatnot. But anyway, <laughs> visual, auditory, olfactory, and gustation information passes through this lobe to be interpreted. To be more concise, people with damaged temporal lobes and, tem- and temporal lobe epilepsy are prone to erratic emotions Entire personality changes, visual, auditory, olfactory, and taste hallucinations, which is something you can get. Not a lot of people know. Uh, And finally, they're very prone to seizures. Annalise's medication apparently did very little to help with her visual and auditory hallucinations. And for years, she persevered, believing she was under some sort of demonic possession. She often complained of hearing voices of these demons giving her commands and seeing demonic visions while she tried to pray. Okay. Eventually, she became unable to even stand looking at religious iconography. Uh, It bears mentioning that during this entire time, it is reported that she was still on her medication and that her family continued to seek more medical advice. Uh, Eventually, a friend of the family decided to take her to some local priests and beg them for an exorcism. The local priest said that she didn't need an exorcism, she needed a doctor. Um, Fair. But Annalise was desperate. And so she decided to seek out the exorcism herself. And it was her last resort. Uh, with no other options, she reached out to many religious officials until eventually she got into contact with Pastor Ernst Alt. Alt felt for Annalise and took her case to the local bishop, uh, asking for permission to perform an exorcism because they weren't just thrown around all willy-nilly, apparently. Um, <laughs> the permission was granted, but with the condition that Father Arnold <laughs> Renz be in charge. I know I fucked it up, well, then I don't care. Um, in 1975, <laughs> the assistance of the Catholic Church, with the assistance of the Catholic Church, Michelle's family gave up on uh, Michelle, the Michelle, sorry, gave up on her medication uh, prescribed by the doctors and allowed Rents and Alt to perform. Thank you. An intense, <laughs> an intense exorcism, averaging four hours in length. Uh, Annalise's oh. condition, condition deteriorated rapidly. She began to speak in tongues. Uh, she lost an extreme amount of weight. Her face became gaunt and sunken, and she was Hang covered. On, sorry, in- she lost she lost weight in those four hours. No, 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 no. The, um, she had multiple uh, exorcisms, averaging four hours oh. in length. Okay, okay. demons sorry, inside of her. Yeah, uh, yeah. Her face became clarify. gaunt and sunken. They weigh a lot. She was covered in bruises and cuts from writhing around and being restrained. And unbelievably, she knelt in prayer so often and for so long, she broke her knees. And oh tore her ligaments off the bone. Oh, God, Lord. Annalise began to, con- began to converse as the demons inside her, and over the course of her exorcisms, it was revealed she was being possessed by five demons. Lucifer, big one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's- Cain. Who needs the rest? Oh, Cain. Judas is Iscariot. That Cain, is that Cain of Cain, Cain and, and Abel? Abel? That is Cain of Cain okay. and Abel. And Judas Iscariot, Judas- also famous for the oh, uh, Old okay. Testament. Oh, new, new? New Testament. I'm not sure. I can't new. remember. Uh, Nero, so the Emperor of Rome. What? And fan favourite, Adolf Hitler. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so she's got some uh, she's got some heavy hitters. She's got some heavy hitters uh, in there. Squirming around in there. Yep. Um, Nero's famous for fiddling as Rome burned, if anyone doesn't know. So, um, Eventually, Annalise began to refuse food and water altogether. And on the 1st of July, 1976, after 10 gruelling months... And 67 exorcisms. Oh, my God. Annalise Mikkel died due to malnutrition and dehydration. At the time of her death, she was only 23 and weighed just 68 pounds 
or 30 kilograms. Oh, oh, man, that's sad. That is sad, yep. Um, so her, her family and the two priests were taken to court for uh, manslaughter and negligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the priests were sentenced to 12 months. The family was not sentenced because they'd suffered enough under German law, apparently. And the priest's sentences were commuted to three years probation. Now, unbelievably, some of the exorcisms were recorded and you can find it on YouTube. And I've got a 30 second clip of some of what Annalise sounded like while these exorcisms were being performed. Germans are horrible language, isn't it? Nein. Yeah, so uh, that is the story of Annalise Mikkel. So the the happy ending is that even though she, she died, <laughs> she got into heaven because all the demons are out of her. I don't know if they actually oh, made them out of her before she died. Um, sure. I mean, she was speaking German there, so obviously Hitler was still in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you got to mention. Um, but yeah, no, it was uh, this. She died just after the exorcist, exorcist came out in 1973, so she died three years later. Oh. Um, so it was all the rage at the time, the old exorcisms. Yeah, they think they're inspired. Oh, so by it would have been, it would have been big news then. Yeah, yeah, it was, and the tr- the trial was quite public, and everyone was condemning mm. the family for not doing anything. Because I mean, you get one whack at it, maybe two whacks, but after sixty seven, that's probably <laughs> you, you're probably doing more harm than good. So uh, look, I mean, third time's the charm. If it hasn't worked by then, it's probably mm. probably not going to work. <laughs> yeah, what, what was their rationale? Were they like? When, Big when demons. They, she had Lucifer in her. When brother. they've done it like sixty six times, they're like, "This next time, I reckon we gotta. This next time, <laughs> yeah. this is gonna do it." Yeah, <laughs> I actually feel really sorry for her because, yeah, like she tried everything else. She tried, you know, doctors and medication and all that sort of thing. Obviously, yeah. Um, and she just was clearly at her wit's end because she had actual like mental health issues like brain damage or, or something wrong yeah, with her, what it's was it, quite, a frontal lobe? Uh, yeah. It, temporal lobe? Temporal lobe. It's quite possible that that first big seizure that she had damaged her temporal lobe quite severely. Yeah. And that's uh, the thing. So, she's yeah. obviously, like, she was seeing these these hallucinations and yeah. feeling it. So, it's real to her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and- It's real to me, damn it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All the all the uh, proper scientific methods weren't working, so she, you know, she's obviously looking for something to make this stop, and she was desperate. She she would have taken anything if you had told her that. I don't know if you gave her some fucking if she grew a beanstalk or, or some shit, and that solved it. She probably would have done it. Well, I mean, and that that's why I made a specific point of mentioning that the entire time up until they completely mm. gave, gave in to the exorcisms that her family was on board with the medical treatment. Like, they were trying. Yeah, absolutely. And it just was not working for them. So, I mean, we've come a long way since, you know, the 70s. And I think, like, now she might have been able to get even better help um, and possibly help to understand what's going on more. But yeah. Yeah. Um, at the time, they really did exhaust their options, and I do feel bad for an entire family. And I also kind of feel bad for the priests in a way because they thought they were helping, but Obviously, they weren't. Like, Did she stopped they? eating and drinking of her own volition, though. Um, mm. So, it's not like she sought out the exorcism. They didn't want to do it originally. And then once she, they started doing it, they, you know, they thought they were helping her and she she just stopped eating and drinking, which she could have done her own, on her own. Like, it's not like in between exorcisms, she was fine. Um, there's like, it was reported that at one stage, she stayed under the kitchen table for two days straight barking. Like, yeah, she, she was obviously nothing. in a very poor mental state. Yeah, and she would frequently urinate on the floor and then lick the piss mm. up. Like, so, she God. was yeah. underneath the table barking and then she peed on the floor. This was a human rat, Brad. You're not talking yes. about a dog here. Wasn't yeah. exercising a dog because 68 <laughs> pounds isn't that skinny for a dog. <laughs> uh, well, I've seen pictures she of her. She's actually a Labrador. She does actually look like a schnauzer, so, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> no, um... Actually, don't ever Google the pictures of her because it is haunting. 
absolutely haunting. Just listen to the creepy stuff we played before. The creepy stuff is nowhere near as bad as the pictures. I'll tell you that right now. It, if I'm being honest, that audio wasn't super scary to me because I couldn't tell if she was speaking German or like no, speaking she was, in she was demonic speaking, tongues. She was speaking German the entire time in that particular. Okay, yeah. so yeah, she was just but she was growling, growly voice. Yeah, she's like, she must have fucked you know. up. That's right. Uh, <laughs> well, fucking if the killed her. So. Didn't do it. <laughs> fucked her up real hard. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, unsuccessful exorcism didn't work. She died in the end. Uh, very, very sad. Lachlan, do you have some better news for us? Do you have an exorcism that worked? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's interesting that that was during the seventies, and um, what I'm about to talk about was also also happened during the seventies. So, mm. uh, you know, big decade for uh, demonic possession. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Exorcist really fucking brought it to the forefront. That's right. That's mm. right. Okay. So, let me set the scene. It's the 1970s. Merry old England is in the middle of its <laughs> worst economic downturn since the Great Depression. Uh-uh. You're an out-of-work father of five using alcohol to numb chronic back pain caused by an old workplace injury. What do you do? You join a cult. <laughs> In mid-1974 in Osset, England, Michael Taylor and his wife Christine, on a recommendation from their neighbour, went to a congregation of the Christian Fellowship Group, a new religion led by one Marie Robinson. After just one meeting, Michael and Christine were converted, attending every sermon and even offering their home to host the congregation as they didn't have a permanent place of worship. Michael in particular threw himself headfirst into his newfound religion, perhaps because he'd finally found a sense of purpose in his otherwise empty life. More likely, though, is because Marie Robinson was a charismatic 21-year-old girl who knew the power held in sexual tension. (laughs) Uh, You can look her up. She's pretty foxy. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. Michael and Marie began spending a lot of time together, studying the group's teachings and performing exorcisms on members. They would even perform private rituals together. Every full moon, they would stare into each other's eyes continuously, making the sign of the cross in order to ward off evil. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a real, like, 16 candles moment. Yeah. (laughs) Romantic. Well, it probably was, you know, by candlelight. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So, it became pretty clear to the whole congregation that Michael and Marie were getting a little bit too friendly, and Christine, Michael's wife, finally called them out on it at one of their meetings at the Taylor's house, telling the pair that they should go upstairs and figure out once and for all whatever it was that was going on between them. Once they were alone, Michael, predictably, made his move, trying to kiss Marie, and Marie, predictably, rejected the actually 31 but looked 45-year-old Michael, (laughs) (laughs) explaining that hers was a Christian love, not a romantic love. They went back- (laughs) He got friends on her. They went back downstairs to the rest of the congregation, and Michael made it very clear to everyone that they had both overcome their lustful demons. But as the meeting continued, something came over him. Marie glanced at him and, seeing his face change into what she would later describe as bestial, immediately started screaming at him in tongues, trying to expel whatever had just overtaken him. Michael started screaming back, launching out of his chair and trying to strangle her. Knowing that she was facing death, Marie started to repeatedly call upon the name of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, she repeated, as several members of the congregation physically held Michael back from murdering their pastor. Michael had no memory of anything after going back downstairs. (laughs) Over the next few weeks, Michael's mental condition deteriorated. He became increasingly erratic around the house and neighborhood, so much so that whispers started going around the highly religious town of Osset that Michael was possessed by a demon. Whispers, apparently are enough for the Anglican Church to take action. Father Peter (laughs) Vincent decided that that it was time for a good old-fashioned exorcism. After consulting with the tailors, who readily agreed that some unholy force had taken control of Michael, the wheels were put in motion. At midnight on October 6th, 1974, Father Vincent, along with Methodist Reverend Raymond Smith and both their respective wives, met Michael and Christine Taylor at St. Thames Church in Barnsley to perform the Anglican ritual of deliverance. 
As soon as the exorcism started, Michael went into wild convulsions, biting, spitting, and scratching at anyone who came close enough to him. They tied him down and continued on, spending the coming hours shoving crucifixes in his mouth and dousing him with holy water while forcing him to confess his sins. After all was said and done, the two priests had drawn over 40 demons out of Michael, including incest, bestiality, blasphemy, lewdness, heresy, masochism, and carnal knowledge. And Hitler. <laughs> they didn't mention uh, old Adolf. You might think that's where this ends, but this isn't a story about exorcism. Exhausted after eight hours of battling the forces of evil, Father Vincent and Reverend Smith needed to rest, even though the job was not finished. They would reconvene the next night to remove the last three demons possessing Michael. Anger, insanity, and murder. Now, if you're not uh... yet convinced by the existence of heaven and hell, perhaps this will change your mind. When they got home from the church, Christine called a friend to take the five Taylor children to their grandparents' house so she and Michael could rest. They were spared from what was about to happen as if by divine intervention. No clear timeline for this exists, but at some point in the next two hours, the demons still possessing Michael showed themselves. Unfortunately for Christine, there was no congregation to stop him this time. What comes next is genuinely horrifying. If you have a weak stomach or don't want to have nightmares tonight, I would recommend pausing the podcast now and skipping ahead. I'm serious. We'll put a timestamp in the description so you know where to dump, jump to. Don't say I didn't warn you. Oh. Can I do this? Can I put, <laughs> I'll put a timestamp? Oh, Michael stripped himself completely naked and attacked Christine. First, he ripped her tongue out of her mouth. Next, he gouged her eyes out of their sockets, then tore at her face, ripping the flesh from her skull in strips until there was nothing left but blood and bone. Finally, he choked out whatever small piece of life was left in her. Then, he turned on the family dog. Michael ripped the poodle's legs off one by one and gave it the same treatment as his wife, tearing Uh out its tongue and eyes. There were no weapons used at all that day. Uh Michael did all of this with his bare hands. Uh Jesus. Around 10am, responding to reports of a naked man covered in paint stumbling around the streets, police found Michael curled up in the fetal position on the footpath, soaked head to toe in blood. When they approached him, Michael would only say one thing, screaming, over and over. It is the blood of Satan! (laughs) What the fuck? Yeah, it's pretty dark. Oh my god. Just, if you were those priests who called it a night, right? Mm. It's been a long day. Surely you get to murder and insanity... First, <laughs> one of uh, I think it was Father Father Vincent's yeah. wife actually begged them to continue, and she said she received a message from God that if they didn't get these demons out now, something bad was going to happen. No, but I mean, she like, begged them to continue, but they're oh, like, geez. "Nah, we'll just do it tomorrow." I'm just thinking, it's but, like, oh, you you took out incest and you know yeah. carnal knowledge and all this kind of. It's like maybe leave those ones there, get to murder and insanity <laughs> first. Maybe it's sequential. They're like, you have to, uh, Brad, you have to step it up, and you know, get that's the right, that's right. Later. They're the most stubborn ones to get out. Uh, well. But you know what I think their main flaw was? Wait, was <laughs> they they told Michael the three <laughs> demons that were left in him. <laughs> they said to him, "All right, You're basically you've, giving him an excuse." You've still got anger, insanity, and murder in there. Yeah, yeah. You go home, have a sleep, and uh, we'll we'll circle back tomorrow. Don't do oh any insane, God. angry murders, murders while you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> How do you? Um, okay, I do have also another question. How the okay, hell do you pull the leg off a dog, Brad? <laughs> Lachlan gave a a time that we could bring the listeners <laughs> back, and now you're going back into the details of it. We can't talk well, about the details after this. No, but it like uh, it was it was a poodle. Yeah, but um, so you, it's like, not a big dog. Pulling the wing off like a roasted. Oh like God, a, I thought thought you were no, going no, somewhere no, else. Like, like a roast chicken, and even that's hard sometimes. Let alone an uncooked alive dog. He was overcome by the demons of anger, insanity, and murder. Brad, they clearly gave him supernatural <laughs> strength. I just yeah, 
You give me a poodle, um, and I don't think I can rip its leg off. I don't think... That, well, no, you're not angry, insane, and murderous, so... Yeah, apparently. So, uh, weak stomach listeners, now that you're back with us, uh, just a few follow-up details uh, that <laughs> won't... Sup- <laughs> it'll surprise you uh, if you go back and listen, now that you're about to find out what happened to Michael after all of that. So, uh, obviously, he was arrested, went to court. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity. And anger and spent just four years in a hospital for the criminally insane uh, before being released. Tried to kill himself um, a few times. There's four attempts on record, um, but I imagine it was more than that. My question is, how do you fuck up killing yourself that many times? (laughs) Well, you're obviously not trying hard enough. Uh, (laughs) It was back in the news in 2005. Yeah, and he was sent to jail for indecently touching a teenage girl. Oh god, just uh, kill this guy! Um, and Fuck. in prison, he started exhibiting the same demonic behaviour, and was sent back into psychiatric care. How is he care. ever allowed in free society again? This is yeah, fucking exactly. ridiculous. Not guilty by reason of insanity. Yeah, that it means is. we're not sending you to prison, but we're never yeah. letting you out of the He's fucking not- insane asylum because you're clearly fucking insane. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, Louis Thoreau did a good documentary. Uh, called by reason of insanity about people who have been um, sentenced not or found not guilty by reason of insanity. Very interesting. I would recommend that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they definitely should never, ever have let him out. Um, I couldn't find where he is now, whether he's still in prison or mental hospital or whether he's out or whether he finally did kill himself. I don't know. Well, let's hope so. Um, God, fuck. Well, yeah. So- I, 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 well, they took the demon of suicide out, which I think is probably why he failed to kill himself so many times. <laughs> oh, come on. I feel like uh, he's probably just roaming around. Was it Osset? Yeah, Osset. Yeah, he's probably just roaming around Osset. So if anyone's listening mm. in Osset, good luck with that. Yeah, keep your dog yeah, locked hot. up. <laughs> <laughs> keep your dog inside, um, yeah, for sure. And before we move on, I just want to finish up with a quote uh, from the first officer on the scene. Oh. Uh, after running outside to vomit, you don't want to see this one, son. I've seen nothing like it before, and I've seen a few. It's the wife. She's got no... He's ripped at her, son. It's a right mess in there. There's not much of her left. You don't want to see it. Oh, Lord. Oh, should I have done that in, like, a, an English, like, Bobby accent? Oh, uh- <laughs> So um, you don't you don't want to see this one, son. <laughs> I've like seen a- nothing like it before, and I've seen a few. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a fucking rip off Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine sounds like a rip off Michael Caine. Though, let's be honest. <laughs> oh, um. Fuck. So how did how did you guys deal with um girls rejecting you? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I took it pretty hard as well. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was the point of telling us that, Lachlan? That he was romantically interested in this woman, she rejects him, and then he turns into a psychopath. Like, it was yeah, it was part of the part yeah, of the backstory. Uh, you got to know, you got to know the uh, the whens and whys. Uh, the demon of jealousy jumped on board right then, mm, and he got a bit, right. of, a bit of that wrath. Basically, the uh, moral of the story is: don't fucking join a cult. Yeah. Well, I mean. Because you will murder your wife. And Doug. That is... Without question. Yeah. Happens right. 100% of the time when you join a cult. Yeah, I'm trying not to bring up any details because obviously weak, yeah. weak stomach, but God. We, we, we don't want to scare our listeners. Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't do that. Don't do what Michael did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. You want to uh, you want to give us a bit of uh, ear bleach, more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So mine, God, I hope so. Mine is a little more lighthearted, as I said. And um, Lachlan and I, in particular, really like this guy. I think Brad does as well. But an Australian comedian, um, John Michael Safran. Uh, he's an author and a journalist as well as a comedian. He's he uh, he follows me on Twitter. Just for anyone interested. Does he actually? He actually I met him in person, whatever. Mm. Um, he is known for... <laughs> Pissing competition, whatever. He is known for his many offbeat comedy shows on Australian TV, such as John Safran's mm. Music Jamboree, Race Relations, and, of course, his magnum opus, John Safran vs. God. 
During yes. this series, all excellent TV. During series. this series, yeah, he yeah. tries on a bunch of different religions, participating in all sorts of crazy religious ceremonies and practices. To end the series, he decided that a good idea for the last episode would be to go to an exorcist in America and cleanse him of all the demons he may have let in during his travels. A Christian evangelist pastor, Bob Larson, was happy to take on the challenge. After Safran, Safran filled out a questionnaire admitting to all his demonic activities, Bob performed a brief exorcism, probably just to flex on John. But <laughs> <laughs> something weird happened. So John Safran is usually uh, just takes the piss out of everything and he's very much above it all. But when this exorcism started, he kind of changed. His whole demeanor changed a lot. And, you know, he was being physically assaulted during this um, exorcism. But something... <laughs> they were uh, hitting mm-hmm. him in the head with a Bible, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make on, demon! <laughs> yeah, but this was just the first brief exorcism, just to show what he could do. I guess Bob was, like, showing off, you know. Um, yeah, yeah pleasant, what I can yeah. do before, you know, the big enchilada tomorrow, the big exorcism in front of everyone tomorrow. And John Safran acted really weird, and he kind of got a growl going on and stuff like that. And the cameraman were like, oh, I've never seen John like this before. Um, anyway, the next day in front of the whole congregation, uh, Bob again performed an exorcism on John Safran, as well as exorcisms on other people, as he is wont to do. And um, John Safran was being held down. He had this Bible against his head. And he started coming back at Bob with these really demonic um, voices and... Uh, yep, yeah, yep. but you know, John Safran, yeah. he's, he's not some random guy who's paid to do um, this sort of acting along and playing along with that. He is a. Mm. Yeah, he's not a player. Yeah, plant. exactly. He's a, he's a comedian. He's a comedian. He's an author. He's a journalist. He has a reputation to uphold. He can't just be seen as, you know, the sort of guy who's going to do this for a cheap laugh or something like that. But the, uh, mm. the exorcism went on for a while, and every episode in the series was, of course, hilarious. Except for this one, yeah. which did, of course had a few funny mm. moments, but um, the episode ended quite abruptly. And instead of cutting back to John Safran sitting in front of the fire giving his uh, closing speech to end the episode, it ended with um, the end of the exorcism and nothing was ever said of it. When John Safran was interviewed on Australian radio, he just said, Oh, yeah, it was a really crazy experience and I can't really remember much of it. So the question has always raged since then. How much was John Safran playing along? How much was he being led into this and just becoming a willing willing participant like a hypnosis victim, for example? And, uh, you know, really what was going on and why is he not talking about it so much? So, what do you guys think? Have you seen this? Yeah, I've I seen it. Seen it I, I believe I watched yeah. it with you. Oh, yeah. Actually. Yeah. I think I did uh, as well. <laughs> I've watched uh, it a bunch of times. Yeah. I, I think part of it is... When you're in the, in this sort of atmosphere, you, there's an expectation of you. Um, you can either flat out just deny it, and you know you're just gonna you're gonna meet some serious opposition, like people who believe in it, and you're gonna cause a lot of confrontation, which is Make not the scene really awkward. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, that's not John Safran. He, he's very non-confrontational for anyone who who's never seen him. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think initially he, he, he might have. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. He made he, he went to like a, a black person's house in blackface. Like how is he non-confrontational? No, no, he didn't do that to like start an argument or a confrontation or something. Like he's a comedian, he does wacky skits and stuff like that, yeah. but he oh, yeah. is he does have the person the persona of a very awkward guy who doesn't want to step on anyone's toes or okay. put anyone out yeah. or be any like. Fair. Yeah. So okay. yeah, if if someone was He's like a small pasty white Jewish guy. Like he he's very non-confrontational. That he's like mm. Woody Allen for anyone in America, but Less probably rapey. not quite as uh, awkward. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, I just think that you, you, it's sort of like a social contract when you go into these things. And if you're going to be outright confrontational, that's fine. Um, but if you decide to play along with it for a bit, you can get swept up in it. It's like like a mass hysteria. But um, I don't know. It, it, it's for what it, if it's for each person, it's their own individual experience. I, I don't know if something happened with John. But yeah. He is I think- a very logical and rational person, so, yeah, I, I don't know. All right, yeah, you say what you think, Lachlan, and then I'll, I'll come back in, but, you know. You, well, I think, you it's, I think it's interesting that, yeah, Brad, you think he was just playing along with it because I he's never been one to do that before, and I agree that he is an awkward dude, 
Mm. Um, and he is very non non confrontational. But I don't think like it's not in his character to play along like that. Um, if nothing was happening, and it it if you've seen the episode, you know. Like it leaves you feeling almost uncomfortable when you finish it, and every oh, yeah. every other episode in the series finishes off. He has like a monologue, and this one yeah. didn't. Yeah, I would imagine if he didn't actually experience something or what he felt was experiencing something, um, he would have explained it in his monologue. But there just was no monologue. He just ignored it. Yeah, he would have turned it into almost. a joke or something. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. That's 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 what I'm trying to say. It would have been a joke or. Or, um, you know, he would have said why exorcisms are stupid or something like that. Because um, that's very much his, his his thing. Is He explains away all the mysticism of it. Mm. Uh, I'm with you there to a certain extent, but the fact that we're still talking about it 15 years later mm. yeah. um, means that it might have been a good decision just to cut it there. Well, I'll, I'll as just far as an DM him on Twitter and ask him. Yeah, I mean, you probably can. Uh, <laughs> oh, you can there. actually, can you? <laughs> yeah. Mate, he, he obviously thinks you're the famous famous piano player and he's accidentally followed you on Twitter. Actually, no, he definitely doesn't. I, I feel stupid now. I fucking talked to Heaven's Gate twice. They've got to be less successful than John <laughs> Safran. I probably could have probably could have emailed Safran and got something off him. Um, I just want to address what Brad just said for the audience. Um, no, he doesn't think I'm the piano player. <laughs> <laughs> he and I have actually spoken. We've spoken about how he met Morgan. Um, that's when he started following me on Twitter. He it, knows it was I'm very, not that guy. It was a very funny sequence of events because Lachlan bought John Safran's book, Murder in Mississippi, and tweeted about very how good, good it book. was. Very good book. Recommend. You tweeted about how good it was, and then John Safran liked your tweet or something, right? That's right. Yeah, he liked my tweet, and he yeah. tweeted uh, thank you or something like that. Yeah, so then Lachlan's gloating all, all week, you know, oh, you know, John, John Saffron talked to me and blah, blah, blah. And just by crazy coincidence, I was working in St. Kilda at the time, which is where John Saffron lives. Yeah, and a very, came- very Jewish area of Melbourne. Yeah, and he, he came into my work and it was like a week or two after he'd liked Lachlan's tweet. And um, me being such a fucking idiot and never having seen a celebrity in my life, <laughs> I just said to him, John, John. And he looked over at me and you could tell he wasn't sure- if he knew me or if he was supposed to know me and I was wearing a name tag. So, he just kind of walked over and he goes, oh, uh, g'day, Morgan, how you going? And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. You don't know me. I just I just blurted out your name. I feel like an idiot. But, you know, I'm just such a big fan of Bubba. And then we talked for a few minutes and stuff. So, it was, it was pretty cool. And then Lachlan was really jealous. So, he tweeted John Safran and then John Safran followed him. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I tweeted about how I'd been gloating that he liked my tweet. And then, and then I won up, one up me by meeting him in life, uh, meeting him in real life. So then John Safran followed me on Twitter. Oh my god! You got a pity follow. Congrats. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I my I should have asked him because he probably would have responded to an email. But uh, mm. my idea is that he uh, either in the time had a panic attack because he's being basically physically intimidated yep. by this guy and he's kind of trapped he either has to play along or he just has to be physically abused so you know as an instinct his reaction is i'll just play along i'll just do what i'm supposed to do and um i think that's probably what happened and then afterwards he doesn't really understand what happened or you, maybe and then he just kind of thinks something fucked up happened something weird happened and it's not a recognition of that like i don't know this is my this is just one possible theory but i think yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it would. It would seem that something weird happened to him, and he can't explain it, and therefore he doesn't want to talk about it because it's like I can't. Well, it's not funny, then, is it? Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I. I could also easily see that being the case. All I'm saying is, I think initially he started off as just a willing participant, thinking it would be a bit of a joke, and then it got serious, and yeah. maybe he did get swept up in it a little bit. That's 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 my theory. It was and a fucking then, hilarious idea to end the season on it as well because yeah, he had yeah. to, like I said, he had to fill out this questionnaire for Bob Larson. He had to, like, circle all these things, like, have you been to a psychic? Have you read your horoscope? You know, have you played on a Ouija board and stuff like that? And he's, like, he's ticked so many things and when Bob's going through <laughs> the list with him, he's just looking at him like he's a fucking maniac. And he's, like, <laughs> yeah, like he's a oh, serial yeah. killer or something. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. He, he, this is a quote from... Um, Bob to John, he he looked at him and he goes, you've become a breeding ground for the devil. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> it was I'll tell you what, then- in, the, uh, 
in in the weeks between recording this and releasing this, uh, Morgs, you can email John, see if you can get a response from him. Listeners, if you're hearing this, that means Morgan was not successful, and uh, John Safran likes me more than Morgan. What? <laughs> I heard John Safran's favorite segment is Morgan's movie review. <laughs> Uh, cannot anyway. be accurate but yeah like uh the 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 minister's face when he was explaining all the things that he'd done overseas and stuff like that or when he was getting him to clarify was hilarious but then also when he was reading it out in front of this congregation which was like half black people half white people they just they the cameraman did like a close-up on this black woman's face because her face was fucking perfect during it she's just she was just like what the fuck is going on she just looked confused and horrified when they're like oh you know he he uh held a goat down while a, a voodoo priest cut its throat and yeah yeah stuff they like fucking this. sacrificed uh, a goat that yeah. that voodoo episode i was yeah that made me a little sick yeah and they're saying like he placed a fat wire on a, a fellow comedian and yeah. stuff like that so. <laughs> yeah on Rome mcmanus <laughs> he That's did right. he did place a fat wire i forgot about that <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, shit. Yeah. Um, so it was a really funny idea for for um episode, but yeah, it uh, it turned into something serious and a little full on. And something interesting mm. actually is that John Safran has a um a lisp. It's like a characteristic of his. It's like yes, mm. yeah. Um, but when he was being exercised, he was kind of speaking and growling and stuff, and he didn't have that lisp anymore. Mm. When he yes. was being exercised, I don't know if that's something that goes when he's doing a voice or something like that, or when he's like, yeah. Well, I mean, you can have people who have you, you know you problems probably, talking. Probably could have asked your speech therapist girlfriend about that. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't really prepare for this at all, did you? Hey. <laughs> like an idiot. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I should have emailed her. Yeah, email her. Oh. Um, yeah, uh, but anyway, something something that was interesting in the episode that I'll just finish on mm. was that a he was talking to two people who work for Bob Larson, a man and a woman who have both been exercised by Bob Larson in the past. And the woman was talking about how she had a really traumatic childhood and all these terrible things happened to her. And she was preaching and saying, you know, why exorcism worked and stuff. But she was saying that she went through all the regular channels that you would to deal with trauma and to deal with um, mental health issues and stuff like that, and, and none of it worked. But now that she's been exercised, she feels a lot better and she feels that, you know, she's been cured of it. So, I mean, it's placebo effect, sure. I think we'd all agree with that. But, you know, obviously yep. there's something as, as ridiculous as exorcisms look and you can watch YouTube videos of people, like, falling on the floor and shaking and speaking in tongues looking ridiculous and stuff. Like, as stupid yep. as they look, they presumably have some positive effect on some people even yeah, if they just there's some sort of um therapeutic benefit there yeah they have like this really physical experience where they're like shaking and convulsing and they're getting all mm. these this negative energy out of them in some cathartic way and then they walk away thinking like oh you know i've, I've got that out of me now and um it's a probably a placebo effect but i mean it obviously has some positive impact yeah some i think people. i think a lot of people underestimate the power of the human mind and if you can convince yourself that uh, there is some kind of demon in you and that an exorcism is going to work, then... It can you, have a lot of positive your, your, effects. Yeah, it'll have positive effects. Your your mindset and your mood will change as a result. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was, uh, that was interesting. It was certainly a lot less disgusting than Lachlan's uh, <laughs> one and <laughs> not as sad as Brad's. So we started yeah. with sad terrifying and ended with like a little <laughs> <laughs> funny and confusing yes but, um yeah i think i think that was good so i think it's time for morgan's movie review morgan morgan morgan's movie review nobody's favorite segment everybody's <laughs> uh little nicky 2000 is <laughs> is fucking retarded and amazing if you could make the perfect movie for an 11-year-old Morgan, it would be Little Nicky. Coincidentally, this movie came out when I was 11, and it was one of my favourite <laughs> movies growing up. Adam Sandler was uh -huh. still in his golden era and could do no wrong. Of course, everybody loves Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Big Daddy, The Waterboy, Mr. Deeds, and Fifty First Dates. But when was the last time you heard someone ranting about the genius that is Little Nicky? This is an overlooked gem, and I'm glad I revisited it. 
The plot involves the special needs son of Satan, played by Adam Sandler, being forced <laughs> to go to Earth to fetch his brothers who plan to corrupt humanity, disrupting the delicate balance between good and evil. A star-studded cast helps Adam Sandler land all his stupid jokes in this movie. You've got Harvey Keitel, Rodney Dangerfield, Dana Carvey, John Lovitz, <laughs> Patricia, Arquette, <laughs> Patricia Arquette, and brief appearances from Carl Weathers, Rob Schneider, Quentin Tarantino, Henry Winkler, Ozzy Osbourne, and last but not least, Reese Witherspoon as an angel in heaven, but make no mistake, she is as hot as hell. Goddamn. Oh, baby. <laughs> Anyway, fuck all that intelligent, sophisticated humour you get in your typical Adam Sandler movie. Little Nicky is a stupid movie, and <laughs> it's proud of it. Absolutely. Every single joke is dumb, but so every single joke is fucking hilarious. The movie is endlessly quotable, and I still quote it to this day, mostly to people who haven't seen it, but it doesn't matter because the lines are funny out of context. When I, <laughs> when I decided to do this movie for everybody's favorite segment morgan's movie review i was worried that i would be taking away from a part of my childhood what if this movie wasn't as great as i remembered what if watching it again ruins those memories what if it's funny to an 11 year old boy but not to a grown-ass man quickly approaching 30 (laughs) well silly me i forgot that i still have the sense of humor of an 11 year old boy nine out of ten yes I uh, I, love I that honestly movie. don't think I could count how many times you and I watched that movie uh, uh, as as teenagers more. Oh uh, yeah, we just every time I think we watched it house. pretty much every time we got together for like three or four years. <laughs> every time you came to my house, we uh, were sharing. You can do it. Bite his fucking head off. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great movie. A- Popeye's chicken is the shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the um. There are some hilarious quotes uh, in that movie and some absolutely disgusting quotes as well that mm, I still yeah. say every now and then, but I won't repeat them on this podcast because <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a fantastic uh, movie. We don't say stuff like that. that. It is yeah, it, it's hilarious. I, I went to see that in the cinemas and I was terrified I wasn't going to be able to get in oh. because I think it was it was it M or MA. It might have been MA. Probably MA. Yeah. And like mum just dropped me off at the cinemas. I didn't tell her what movie I was going to of see. Course. You know, responsible parenting oh, like Brad, you rebel. I know. I was going with a friend at the time and I was like, Oh shit, man, we're not gonna be able to get in. We're not gonna be able to get in. Went up to buy the ticket and they're like, Yeah, okay, fine, just go through. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> so the system works. <laughs> no, that's uh, it was so funny. Yeah, funny movie. Hilarious. Yeah, and um I was gonna mention in the movie review that Adam Sandler always seems to have some uh, you know, not so subtle product placement in his movies. You know, like <laughs> he, he's like, in, he's got Subway in Happy Gilmore and Gatorade in The Water Boy, and even yeah, snack yeah. packs in Billy Madison. But in yep, Little Nicky, yep. it's so funny that his endorsement of Popeye's chicken is the main character literally saying, "Popeye's chicken is fucking awesome." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's so over the top that every scene involving Popeye's chicken is just hilarious, so you can't be mad at it, because it just kills it every time. (laughs) There's one point where he's like, use the power of Popeye's chicken or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he convinces (laughs) the demons to come to the good side by feeding him Popeye's chicken. Yeah. Um, Uh, Yeah, anyway... <clears throat> Great movie, absolutely fantastic yeah. movie, masterclass. Brad, do you want to uh, take us out with uh, Brad's power rankings? Yeah, I would. And uh, just quickly before it started, someone recently commented that it is fast becoming the best segment of the show. So uh, that is disputed. Not everyone's favorite anymore, Morgs. So. <laughs> All right, yeah, fast becoming, but not become yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, I think it, after today, it went from distant third to, to close third. <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> All right, here's with that intro. Brad Power Rankings. Oh, yes. Sam's awfully uh, appropriate for this episode talking about demons and shit. Yeah, I know, right? Fucking metal. And also, it is the the exact mood that I am feeling on the inside because (laughs) I am fucking pissed. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. So, gone is is, an angry person. Yeah, exactly. Gone is last week's, you know, humble and trying to be friend, funny. And no, no, I'm fucking mad, boys. I'm I'm steamed. (laughs) All right. All Ready right. to snap. 
So hit us. I'm gonna I'm gonna apologize in advance because <laughs> this is it's gonna get gonna get fucking dark here. Right, Brad right? didn't okay. apologize in advance right. for his easiest people to rob segments. So yes, <laughs> that's anything. To so, get- yeah. this is gonna be bad. This is yeah, it's rough. Just full disclosure, uh, Morgan and I have not heard this. We don't know what this is about. So this is all on Brad. Whatever this is. Yep. Oh, I take full responsibility because I'm fucking pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I disavow in advance. <laughs> so, this week's power rankings are my top five ridiculous beliefs. And when I say ridiculous <laughs> beliefs, okay. um, I'm talking about like exorcisms, those type of beliefs, you know, like healing properties or um, ways to make major life decisions in you. You uh, know, it's okay. just okay. so. Well, wait, there's like I said, yeah. there's five. Lachlan, in case you're interested. And uh, I'll be starting at five and working to one. Five being the least Thank worst. Thank you for explaining. Worst. I appreciate you making that clear to the audience and no to worries. Morgan. Sometimes he gets confused. I, I know. It's, it's hard. Um, so, <clears throat> number five, faith healing. <laughs> okay. So, look. I would agree. I'll keep this one brief because I've got bigger fish to fry. But if you believe that Benny Hinn can lay his hands on you and cure you, good luck with that cancer treatment, buddy. <laughs> Don't think I'm taking these lightly either, because every entrant on this list is guilty of a mortal sin. They take advantage of people's desperation. Mm-hmm. Benny, Hill, Benny Hinn sorry, is only so low because it's hilarious seeing him slap the Satan out of thousands of his faithful with his trusty white jacket <laughs> of justice. Which, by the way, is fucking hilarious. Does he literally slap people? So. Yeah, he just hits them with a jacket. Yeah. yeah. And they all just, like, fall over like a Maybe wing. the faith healing is, like, a um, secondary concern for him and he just wants an excuse to abuse people. Well, he's a fucking millionaire, so I think he's all done All faith healers are bad people. Jim Jones was a faith yeah, healer exactly. before he started Jonestown. Anyway, number four, astrology or zodiac signs. <laughs> astrology or zodiac signs or whatever measurement of celestial bodies you use to determine the effect on your own personal life is just beyond idiotic <laughs> i'm sorry but you're insignificant and the universe doesn't care about you that's the bad news good news is if you change your ways immediately all the people in your immediate vicinity might stop thinking you're such a huge prick <laughs> not convinced i'll put it in a way you understand uranus is positioned in a rising way as to receive mars's full girth this means that it is now the perfect time to make a change and stop listening to this fucking bullshit. <laughs> All right. Rolling on it. Number three, homeopathy. <laughs> like cures like. That's the founding principle of homeopathy. Ingest some diluted garbage that makes you sick regularly enough and you'll be immune. Go fuck yourself. The dilution of this stuff is outrageous. Most are dilated to parts per billion. The formula for mixing is one part medicine for every 100 to the power 100 to the power of 30 parts water. That 25 mil vial of whooping cough deterrent you've got there, that's fucking water. <laughs> you just paid $30 for 25 mils of water. You know what? You know what? While we're at it, that whooping cough, uh, I decided to check on the remedy. Uh, suggested by the homeopathic center their website suggests corellium sounds vaguely medicinal hmm. what's that corellium corellium occultum is coral like the shit that grows in the fucking sea <laughs> fuck off you snake oil salesman does corellium give me autism though because you know Brad is angry i am fucking pissed you don't want to get a vaccine right. number two number two Aromatherapy. (laughs) (laughs) Nice smelling things have their place. I'll give you that much. For example, I had a lovely vanilla candle that I enjoyed. My room smelt of vanilla. That's it. It I wasn't filled with vigor. I wasn't more optimistic. My room smelt of fucking vanilla. If you're the kind of person who believes that a $32 9 milliliter bottle of jasmine in jojoba is an exotic oil (laughs) that stills confidence... (laughs) And helps uplift the spirit. I don't know how to say the word if that's wrong. It is wrong. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Do us all a favor and uplift yourself, uplift yourself into a noose and kick the chair out. <laughs> Good God. Number one. 
And this is the fucking big, big enchilada. Tarot card. <laughs> oh boy. I'm trying to stay calm here, so I'll be as polite as I can be. If you have ever used tarot cards in an unironic way, please <laughs> give yourself a lobotomy with a shotgun. <laughs> Your mystical deck of Pokemon cards can't predict tomorrow's weather, <laughs> let alone where you'll be in five, day- five years' time. The only thing these can accurately detect are gullible retards. <laughs> If you still believe in these readings, because Mystic Sarah from Psychic TV guessed you'd have a kid in five years' time, I've got a reading for you. The first card I flipped is the annoying cunt card. (laughs) This means that your family and friends resent you and you're a stupid fucky and your stupid fucking hobby. Oh, the second card I've turned is the gullible dickhead card. The ether is telling me that you should invest all your capital into a booming industry. Perhaps magic beans. (laughs) Finally, it appears that I've drawn the unloved and alone card. Unfortunately, it appears that you'll die alone and unloved by all. If you don't believe me, get a second reading from Sarah. Just keep in mind that we both have the same amount of training. Precisely fuck all. (laughs) Thanks for playing. (laughs) That's great. Brad's father was killed by tarot cards. Yes. Yeah, he's tragic. (laughs) The paper cuts. <laughs> no, but seriously, what about those? The, the main reason I'm so very fucking angry at this kind of shit is because they take money off desperate people. Uh-huh. Um, I understand that sometimes there's like the placebo effect and there are benefits, minimal benefits, but the amount of money that they take and claim to be doing good is fucking outrageous. It, it, it's they're billion dollar industries and it's retarded. Your whole your whole empathy for the poor victim shtick is uh, <laughs> I don't really buy it, Brad, because you just called the people <laughs> colorful dickheads <laughs> and annoying cuts. <laughs> oh no no no! Because I, I have limited sympathy for people who fall for it either, because they spread it around and they make other people fall for it as well. It's like oh, I've got some essential oils that'll help with your fucking stage four cancer, and these people stop doing the, the the medically accepted and recognized way, and then they go to essential oils because fucking Aunt Karen said that essential oils will save Fuck them. Fuck you, Karen. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like I, I feel bad for the desperate people, but also I feel, I feel like bad for them. Some, spre- uh, I'm pissed at them spreading it around. Deeper issues here. Oh. Ah. <laughs> Just fucking angry. That is raging. <laughs> I was fucking steaming while I was writing this fucking thing. I was seething. What about those? Uh, what about those late night psychic TV shows where you can call up and oh, do a reading for you? They're fucking hilarious to watch. Um, I've tried calling them a couple of times to fuck with them, but don't you have to pay? Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, you do. Yeah, it's like three dollars a minute or something. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But it is hilarious when someone gets through. Like they're pretty good at screening people, so. If someone gets through and fucks with them, though, it's hilarious. I like it how they do um, readings over the phone as if they can actually get your energy mm. over the phone. And then, even more ridiculous, some of them do readings over email. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the ones where they send in a picture and they're like, oh, I can see this aura around you. And it's like you've got a gold aura, which means you're, you know, you're going to have a good time. And Oh, but I see some tinges of blue throughout it. So be careful. There'll be some sad times in the, in the future. It's like, <laughs> what? The fuck did you just say? That's what I mean. Like, Sarah from Psychic TV told a 25-year-old woman that she might have a kid in the next five years. Well, fuck me. Let's play the numbers here. You know? God, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm done. I'm fucking done. (laughs) All right. Well, that was uh, Brad's power rankings. Um, (laughs) Usually a fun, fun, lighthearted segment where Brad tells hilarious jokes and doesn't rage that much, but... Um, eh, it was funny. It was funny, Brad. Laughing along with your rage. Learn something, you lose some. It's, it's been building for the last two weeks. Last two weeks were too nice, and <laughs> I'm just I'm overflowing. I'm Brad's power rankings is a roller like coaster. Pot of water <laughs> boiling over. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm a passionate man, Rogs. I'm just filled with so many emotions <laughs> and jizz. Uh, uh, <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we very much appreciate your listenership. Uh, we do this all for you guys because we like bringing you, hopefully, some entertainment every week. Uh, you can check us out at bradisabadperson.com. There you will find everywhere you can listen, subscribe, and follow us 
on social media. Uh, make sure you rate and review us on iTunes. That would help us out a lot. Get us seen more. Uh, get us into some more people's brains, which may not be good for their mental health, but it'll be good for our podcast. Um, yeah, awesome. Make sure, make sure you share this episode with your friends. Maybe someone who does believe in demons and exorcisms and that sort of thing. See what their take on it is. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, thank you for listening. Uh, your mother sucks cocks in hell. <laughs> Yes,